solar planets, which is what we call planets outside of our solar system, exoplanets for short. And specifically, I want to find Earth-like planets. And I want to do that for a couple of reasons. Partly, like, I'm just really stoked about the idea of finding aliens. Basically, the reason I'm, astron I'm an astronomer is because I want to find aliens. That would be great. But also, it would be nice to have some kind of assembly point A for when we eventually need to leave the Earth which might happen in the next four billion years, at least, when the star, uh, when the sun turns into a red giant. So hopefully we'll have found one before then. We've found thousands of extrasolar planets so far. Um, we're up to 1,000 confirmed planets, and we've got th 3,500 uh, candidates. But we still haven't found an Earth-like planet going around a sun-like star. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about why that is, and hopefully how we will find one in the future. Okay, so this talk is kind of based around this recent publication. This paper was published in November last year um, in the uh, Proceedings of the uh, National Astronomical Society, PNAS for short, um, and it's called Prevalence of Earth-sized Planets Orbiting Sun-like Stars, and it had a big result that was splashed all over the media and that result was one in five sun-like stars have Earth-like planets. One in five, that's quite a lot. There are billions of stars in our galaxy, so there should be billions of Earth-like planets in our galaxy. So, kind of the obvious question here is, if one in five sun-like stars have Earth-like planets, uh, why haven't we found any? That's a great question. And that's the question I want to answer today. And actually, when I started writing this talk, I hadn't worked, like, worked this problem through. Um, now that I've done it, I'm actually quite shocked by the answer. And you'll see why. So now I'm just going to set the scene and introduce our star role. This is our protagonist. This is Kepler. This is uh, an Instagrammed picture of Kepler. I've Instagrammed it. Um, and this is a space telescope. It sits in space, it orbits the sun, and it stares at one part of the night sky continuously. It doesn't look anywhere else. And in that part of the night sky, there are thousands of stars, and it's searching for planets that go around those stars. I say searching, I should say searched, because unfortunately, Kepler is no longer with us. Uh, it did have three reaction wheels that were keeping it pointing at the same part of the sky, and one of them has broken, unfortunately. Um, Kepler's third wheel is broken. Kepler's third wheel actually has its own Twitter account, so you can go and follow it. It doesn't tweet very often, it's broken, so it's kind of hard for it to type. Um, but do follow it if you fancy. Um, but despite the fact that Kepler is now broken, we still have four years of data. That's that is enough for us to find an Earth-like planet. We can do it. And this is how. So this is called the transit method. And this is how Kepler finds its planets. It looks at thousands of stars all at once. And if those stars have planets and they're oriented in exactly the right way, 
a planet might pass in front of a star. And when it does that, it blocks a little bit of that star's light, as you can see here. So here, we've got the brightness, the brightness of the star is constant until the planet passes in front of it, and then the star appears to get a little bit more dim because some of its light is blocked. And then as the planet passes out the other side, the star's light will go back up to the base level. And that produces this characteristic dip. This is called a transit light curve. This is what Kepler looks for. And when it finds them, it knows it's found a planet. OK, so that's how we find planets. Now, let's go back to this sentence. One in five sun-like stars have Earth-like planets. But what exactly do we mean by Earth-like? Well, we mean a couple of things, really. Firstly, we mean Earth's size. And Jupiter, also in our solar system, is massive. It's made mostly of gas. It's a gas giant. And we don't, we don't necessarily want to find these. We don't, I mean, we do, but we don't think they'll be good for supporting life. We live on a rocky surface. It's quite nice. I quite like it, like being able to walk around. And we think most life would probably appreciate a rocky surface as well. So we want to find a rocky planet, which means it has to be small. Now, this, provides, this presents a problem because the big planets are much easier to find. That's because as they move across their star, they're blocking out a whole load more light. So they're producing this whacking great transit light curve, this huge dip that's really easy to spot. Those things, the things we want to find, are less easy. So that's the first problem. Secondly, we really want to find a planet that's in the habitable zone. So the habitable zone is a region around any star um, in which a planet has to sit for it to hold liquid water on its surface. And the Earth sits in the sun's habitable zone. It's very nice, nice temperature here. We know we have lots of liquid water on the surface of our planet, a little bit too much right at the moment in Oxford. Um, Venus is on the inner edge of the habitable zone. It's far too hot for life there. And Mars, also on the outer edge, is far too cold for life there. So Earth is in the habitable zone. It's just right. OK. One in five sun-like stars have Earth-like planets. So what do we mean by sun-like? Well, here's a sun-like star. It's a cartoon of a sun-like star, which I made. I'm proud of it. Um, those are, those are uh, uh, sunspots or star spots. Um, and sun, uh, stars rotate. Our sun rotates fairly slowly, once every 23 days. It's weakly active. It we, there are some solar flares, as we know, they produce the aurora. But in general, it's quite uh, it's an inactive star. Um, most stars are like this. This is an end dwarf, um, or a red dwarf, if you like. Um, it's much smaller, it's much cooler than our sun, and it's also much more active. So any planets we, found, we find around these are likely to be fried with lots of radiation. So they're not the best places to look for Earth-like planets if we want to find life. But they are really easy to find planets around because they're small. So a small planet, like this size, is going to produce a big signal if it orbits a star like this. Of course, they're also really big stars. This is also a video. Um, it's just not getting any spots on it, but it's a video as well. Um, so, so this, it's really, really hard to find an Earth-sized thing um, transiting this because it would be so small, it produces such a small signal. 
So we're not really that interested in these either. So big, medium, small. We want to find things that are orbiting the sun, stars like the sun. And in the Kepler field of view, it, that is around one in three stars. Around one in three stars is sun-like. OK, so let's go back to Kepler. Kepler looks at 150,000 stars. My presentation's not transferred properly. Oh, well, we'll get over it. 150,000 <laughs> stars. That's a big number. Big number? OK. Um, thanks. Pity, pity applause. Um, so 150,000, uh, that's the number of stars it looks at. But we said one in five. One in five sun-like stars has, has an Earth-like planet. So we've actually got one in 30,000. We divide 150,000 150, by five, then we get 30,000. That's not the whole story, because remember I said one in three stars are sun-like? So we need to divide this number by three. We get 10,000. OK, that's still OK. We still have a decent chance. 10,000 is a lot. 10,000 Earth-like Earth -like planets orbiting sun-like stars in the Kepler field of view. OK, but this next bit, this is where we get really screwed. Um, not all planets transit. The only planets that transit are the ones that are oriented in a specific way so that they'll pass right in front of the star and we'll be able to see it. Um, but that's a pretty lucky orientation because they're all random. Some, star, some planets will go around their star like this. They'll never pass in front of it and we'll never see it. So when you do the maths, it works out that actually only one in 200 Earth-like planets will transit it's sun-like star, so we'll only see one in 200. It's kind of a small number now. Um, thanks. Um, so that's not really the end of the story either. This is pretty optimistic, because in this paper, this one in five result, the definition of habitable zone is very generous. It's very big. It ranges from. It ranges up to four times the amount of, of the, four times the mass of Earth. Do we really think that a planet that's four, four times the mass of Earth will be like the Earth? I'm not sure. I'm not convinced. So this is quite generous. Also, there are, there are a few other things that are kind of going to stop us. Like the data that we have is actually quite noisy. There are gaps in the data. Will we be able to find those Earths? I'm not sure. So, to answer the question, if one in five sun-like stars have Earth-like planets, why haven't we found any? That's why. And please go to planethunters.org. Please go and search for your own planet. This is real Kepler data right here. And these are real planet transits. And you can go and find your own. They won't name it after you, though. I've, I've tried. and they, they won't name it Ruth. I don't know why. It's a great name.